0: Welcome and thank you for joining us. At Worship Harvest, we are committed to resourcing people in worshipping God and serving others meaningfully for community transformation. Here is the week's teaching. I'm going to ask that we pray together even as we get into the Word. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are good and your mercy endures forever. Thank you for loving us. Thank you, Lord, that the entrance of your Word brings light and gives understanding to the simple. We ask God that the words that you speak to us this morning will be spirit, that there will be life, that they will uplift and encourage, that they will lift us up, lift, down, lift up the downtrodden and give them hope, lift up the people who are, who are bound by whatever misconceptions the enemy has sown in their hearts, that they'll be freed to the reality that they are your children, that they are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus our Lord. And I ask God that you'll open up our hearts and speak to us individually, specifically, that we will live here with something from the throne of God into our lives, that heaven will touch earth through this word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, when I was growing up, between when I was about 10 and when I was um, around 13, I was in a church where... The, the lead pastor, like the lead teaching pastor, um, had a favorite sermon. And, and it went a little like this. He always preached in Luganda and there was an interpreter and Jesus got the cross. So it was always about the passion of the Christ. Every single Sunday, and I'm not kidding you. And, and so, as young kids would go closer and check out the guy's eyes. Guess what? No tears at all. So we got a bit frustrated about that at one point and we told our mom when we were praying. We said, mommy, we have something to pray about and we said, Jesus, could you stop letting the pastor cry crocodile tears preaching the same sermon? And um, today, um, lucky for you, that's not the sermon we're going to preach. <laughs> but, but um, we're going to be sharing from Isaiah 54, but Isaiah 53 is actually a lot about that f- pastor's favorite portion. It talks about Jesus and how he suffered um, for our sin. He was, he was, his body was broken, he was bruised, he, he was unseemly, no one desired him, he was a man stricken with sorrow. All right, And he did all that so that we will have freedom, liberty, righteousness, so that we will plug into this new covenant of grace that we're going to be talking about this morning. But Isaiah 53 then gets into a zone where Jesus comes to us as a beloved. And I just want to read the beginning of Isaiah 54, um, just to, from, from the message version. I liked how it was, it was written. It says, Sing, O barren one, who has never had a baby? Fill the air with song, you who've never experienced childbirth. You're ending up with far more children than all those, bearing, all those childbearing women. God says so. Clear lots of ground for your tents. Make your tents large. Spread out. Think big. Use plenty of rope. Drive the tent pegs deep. You are going to need lots of elbow room for your growing family. You are going to take over whole nations. You are going to resettle abandoned cities. Do not be afraid. You are not going to be embarrassed. Don't hold back. You're not going to come up short. You will forget all about the humiliations of your youth and the indignities of being a widow will fade from memory. For your Maker is your bridegroom. His name, God of the angels, of the angel armies, your redeemer is the Holy One of Israel, known as God on the whole earth. So, Isaiah 54, I want you to imagine a scenario. Um, uh, there's a couple that's just nearly wed, and um, they had a disagreement. Okay? So, you, you know that time when uh, people disagreed? I, I love tea, so I imagine, you know, the couple has disagreed, and then he's, you know, pulling his mouth, and then she says, do you want some tea? Of course he wants some tea. He says, yes, I want. Put it there. You know, and then you go and he, he puts it and he drinks it. And then they get into the bed and, and, and uh, he's facing the wall. She's also facing the wall. And you know, they're both pulling their mouths. And then the guy says, what are we doing? So he turns around. And he starts saying these nice, powerful, beautiful words to the woman. And she's like, are you sure? It's okay, you? Then she turns. And then he starts talking. And like, eh, eh, really? And all that? So that's actually the context of the portion of scripture. I think that there is no one who knows better than Jesus. I don't know how to translate that in English. Right? There's no one who vibes better than Jesus. In the first service, we were singing here, and I was just overwhelmed by by who Jesus is. And me when I'm overwhelmed, I'm like, God, oh God, you really love me. You know, he's, he's such a lover. When we were growing up, it was, especially as young men, um, ladies don't know this, but it, it was very important for you to be one of the best at vibing a guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, like, like so, so guys, there would be competitions of, uh, look, eh, for me, eh, I just drop lines and then she melts and melts and melts. But there is no one who is better than God at loving us. And today he is dropping lines on you. As we talk about the covenant of grace. Now, I want us to situate um, this particular portion that we are going to be talking about. Because it's written at the time when Israel has been in captivity in Babylon. They had sinned and God allowed the Babylonians to take them into captive. But now in this place of captivity, God remembers them. And and the prophet Isaiah starts prophesying a restoration of a new Jerusalem, of a new Israel. And how many of us know that the church of Christ actually right now is is the new Jerusalem? We are Mount Zion. We know that. Okay, so this scripture is actually speaking to the church. It's speaking to you right now in this day and it's this time. It's very relevant for you now. Now, um, it paints a picture of the Messianic age um, and how that God would establish the church and Jesus would be the mediator of a new covenant of grace. All right, and so he starts this portion um, giving us a picture of, you remember after the floods of Noah, God gave a rainbow, and he said, I want this to be a sign to you that I will never be angry at you again. I will never destroy people on the earth using rain. So, so, so this lover of our souls has just turned round and is beginning to vibe us and is starting at that point. I hope you can, are you, do you see yourself on that bed? Are you hearing Jesus? I know that ladies find this easy. Guys, just imagine. Jose, eh? better I'm class. Okay, good. So let's do that. Let's read this together. Isaiah 54 from 9 going down. It says, For this is like the waters of Noah to me. For as I have sworn that the waters of Noah would no longer cover the earth, so I have sworn that I will not be angry with you nor rebuke you. For the mountains shall depart, and the hills be removed, but my kindness shall not depart from you. Nor shall my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord, who has mercy on you. O you afflicted one, tossed with tempest, and not comforted, behold, I will lay your stones with colorful gems, and your foundations with sapphires, and I will make your pinnacles of rubies, and your gates of crystal, and all your walls of precious stones. And all your children shall be taught by the Lord, and great shall be the peace of your children. In righteousness you shall be established. You shall be far from oppression, for you shall not fear, and from terror, for it shall not come near you. Indeed, they shall surely assemble, but not by me. Whoever assembles against you, you shall, shall fall for your sake. Behold, I have created the blacksmith that blows the coals in the fire, who brings forth an instrument of his work. That's a weapon. And I have created the spoiler to destroy. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue which rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. And their righteousness is from me, says the Lord. So this lover of our souls, Jesus, starts to lay down, you know, like his love letter, his vibing lines. He starts to break them down in this covenant. And the first thing that he says is you have a friendship with God himself. That you, you the mortal, you, the ordinary you who's sitting in that chair, have a friendship with God. He says in verse 9, so I have sworn that I would not be angry with you nor rebuke you. When I was in primary school, P3, in Buganda Road Primary School, when you wanted to convince someone that you're serious about a matter, you would swear. So you touch the ground and say, I swear upon the living God. How many of us did those things? Aha! Uh-huh. So God here is what? Swearing. All right? But now in, in, around P4, you now, when you really now want to convince someone that you are swearing for real, you have to touch that, that yes place. Okay? So a guy would touch under his shoe and then touch the tongue and say, I swear upon the living God. Okay, But you see, of course those things, your kids, sometimes you swear things and you're not serious. But this is God swearing. Now because there's a part where the Bible says that because God could not swear but by any other, he swore by himself. So here is God swearing. He's saying, So I have sworn that I would not be angry with you nor rebuke you. Can you imagine that? God swore that He would not be angry with you. He would not be angry with you. He's not going to use punishments anymore to an enemy, to compel you, to motivate you. He has sworn that His motivation of you is going to be love. So instead of being that lover who is turning against the wall and pulling his mouth so that he takes you on a guilt trip, he has sworn that I'm going to face you, I'm going to vibe you. I'm just going to convince you. There is no anger, no beef. There's this song that I, I, I got one time we were in um, something we used to call Blood Week at the old hub in the basement in Kololo, uh, a song that says tacha tachaniga. Tachaniga, tachaniga, Tasi ba busungu jendi. tachaniga, 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 Tasi ba busungu joli. God has not beef with you. I He has sworn. He did not swear like we used to in Buganda Road. He swore by himself and he cannot break what he swore. So there is someone here, you have done stuff and you feel like God is mad at you. You feel like, you know, you possibly, I mean, you walked into church, but inside your heart, you kind of sneaked into church. And you're feeling like, man, if anyone knew the stuff that I have done, you probably want to sit at the back or sit in some inconspicuous place. You're not even looking up because you may think that if someone looks directly in the eye, they're going to realize and discover the stuff you have done. God wants you to know he is not mad at you. He's not mad at you. Expect no punishments from God. I know that some of you have never heard that in church, but he swore. Did you see that? That he would not be angry with you, nor rebuke you. Do you know that God has even vowed not to shout at you? No, 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 Jesus said, I have not called you servants, but I have called you friend. There are many portions in the Bible where God has repeated this thing about him and you in the covenant. He is friends with you. You know that song? I am a friend of God. I am a friend of God. I am a friend of God. He calls me friend. Everybody sing with me. Ah. Oh. Chaka 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 chaka. He calls me friend. Ndi bade wa Yesu. Aw mwana wa Mrasi aga mwana nze mwana Yesu am matila boy. I'm feedinga. I'm doing all this for you. There's someone who needs to be convinced that God is saying he is your friend. For real. Ate even swore upon himself. The other thing we see in this portion is that God has given us a permanent covenant. His love letter to you, his promises, his cuckooing of you is, is, is giving you a permanent place. In verse 10, he says, But my kindness shall not depart from you, nor shall my covenant of peace be removed. His love is back a lust, and lust does not exist. What's the good? You, eh? I remember. That I had a girlfriend once. I told that girl that I loved her. Eh? You know when you convince the girl that what? You love her. Don't ever I love you. Oh, you know those things where you almost want to write a letter. Smanya, I love my love for you is deeper than Lake Victoria. My love for you can overcome the hunger in Karamoja. Then one day she walks up to me and she says, I have chucked God, I've also chucked you. You think my love stayed? I was angry, I was bitter. I, was, I had an issue for about one and a half years, 18 months. But this God of ours is saying, my kindness shall not Depart nor shall my covenant of peace be removed. This is a God who is staying with you. He loves you. You remember that girl who sang a song, you know, how does a song go? Those who know the song like when we get, we shall grow old, I will love you, we we'll grow old together, then when we can't walk, and they are pulling us on like a kagot skin for us to move, they will be pulling us together. I will love you, bakalasts. Forever. It's permanent. Ezekiel 37, 26, I'd like us to read this together. It says, more ever, I have, moreover, I I will make a covenant of peace with them. It shall be an everlasting covenant with them. And I will place them and multiply them. And I will set my sanctuary in the midst of them forevermore. Why do you know that there is nothing you can do that is going to make God change his mind? Did you know that when God sees you, he sees Jesus? And so it's, it's, not, it's not important anymore. You know, you remember those times when we used to pray the sin of omission and commission for what I have done and what I have failed to do. Do you know that God is past that? And I know that that may offend a few people, but let me just, let's just have a conversation do you think that if you and me and our actions were the ones maintaining God's love for us, do you think that this deal would be there? Because I, mean, I for as long as I remember, just between when I woke up and now, I think I have thought a number of things that... And that you, know, you know when you think a thing and you're like, Chris, Chris, say, hey, Chris. So imagine if the covenant was dependent on Chris. Mubakuros. I'm not going to talk about you. But you see what I mean? But he swore by himself and he's saying that this is an everlasting covenant he has with you. And he has set his sanctuary in your midst forever. Did you know that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit? That God has even gone beyond just writing his law on your heart. But he has now decided that he's going to live in you. Ephesians 1.13-14 says that from the day you received Christ, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of your inheritance or the guarantee of your salvation. Did you know that you cannot get out of this deal? God has put the bar of getting into Christ so low that if you can walk, you can get in. If you just say yes to Jesus, you're in. Okay? And then he has put the bar so high for getting out. It's near impossible. Man, I see some hobbies here. In Buddha, we used to sing a song, Create in me a clean heart, O oh God. Um, and renew your right spirit with me. Uh, cast me not away from your presence, O oh Lord. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. And then the ad lib would be, Oh, cast. Have you, did you guys do these things in choir? Yeah, and renew our right spirit within me. Oh, Jesus. Guess what? That is an illegal song in the new covenant. Everlasting. Help me tell someone, it's an everlasting covenant. Jesus loves me last. If you don't have a... Translation for that last word, ask your neighbor. Now, 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 now. There are people who have been wondering why your relationship with money is inversely related with your desires. The more you want it is the more it disappears from you. (laughs) You have more month at the end of your money. Huh? Did you know that the covenant we have, the covenant of grace is a covenant for wealth? In verse 11 and 12, he, he's talking about a building. I'll build their pinnacle, make it of colorful gems. He talks about sapphires and rubies and crystal and precious stones. It's like how someone begins to build and he puts um, you know, like that uh, what do they call it? Muchangaleo, that mix. and me, the messos, they don't call these names English things. He puts muchangaleo and he puts a block and then he puts the mix in the between. And then he puts and he puts, guess what? He is putting you, but you know, then he puts ruby, sapphire, whatever, and then another block, and then he puts gold and one. Imagine that 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 that's cement mix is gold dust and super glue and then he plasters with diamond this whole red place plastered with diamond plastered with diamond can you imagine a building like that right rare precious gems and jewels but did you know that what god is really saying is that you and i are the precious gems he's talking about he says, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Paul talks about the fact that we are the body of Christ. So guess what? His church is made of you and of me. And he looks at you as a gem. He looks at you as sapphire. He looks at you as ruby. If I got, some, if I got like 100 grams of diamond and ruby and sapphire and all that, just 100 grams of each as a stone, and I gave it to you, you'd be stinking rich. But God is saying that you are the one. You are his precious ones. You are valuable. You are a king and a priest unto our God. You are highly favored. He calls you the apple of his eye. There's a part where he was speaking of Israel. And he said, I will give nations for you. Men will die for you. If anyone knows Lynette, uh, my wife who's been leading here in praise and worship, who's a principal of Harvest Academy, you will get to know that Lynette loves kids to a point that she will fight anyone if you cross a child. Uh, By the way, even if it's your child, she will attack you concerning your own child. It's that bad. Because for her, kids are precious. She's written a certain song that that says... uh, Precious in his sight, ease every child, oh. Precious in his sight, ease every child, oh. He's a gift. From the Lord, yeah, yeah, yeah. she's a gift from the Holy Ghost, yeah. Now, Now, I'm trying to feel that passion, but when Lynette is singing that song, passion flows. Can I tell you something, ladies and gentlemen? God is more passionate about you than Lynette is passionate about kids. You are precious in his sight. You are valuable. You are wealth to him. In Ephesians, he says that of his richness that he has in the saints. When God considers his wealth, he does not consider silver and gold. He considers you and I as his wealth. God decided that he's not going to do anything on earth without you. He says that whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. Can you imagine that God has entrusted all the power he has, all the authority he has, all the resources in heaven into your mouth? As in if you open it and say, this thing is going to happen, God has committed, it's going to. Can you imagine how precious you are? You are God's gem. Could you just say I'm God's gem? I'm God's precious one. I am his treasure. I am the one he's talking about right there. And then he says in in Romans, he who spared not his only son, but gave him up for us, how shall he not together with him freely give us all things? Now look, if you are precious in his sight, shall he withhold school fees? If you're precious in his sight, shall he withhold rent? If you're precious in his sight, shall he withhold transport, or fuel in your car, or a new shoe, or a shirt, or a trouser, or food? Jesus said God does not allow a sparrow sparrow to fall to the ground. He does not allow it. It doesn't fall to the ground unless he has permitted it. And he says, aren't you more precious than five sparrows? Why worry about what you shall eat or what you shall drink? Why worry about whether you're going to be rich or not? Listen, to, listen, this, God cares about your wealth. 2 Corinthians 8, 9, what does it say? For you know, the grace, are we reading together? Let's read this together. It says, for you know, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for whose sake? Your sake became what poor that you by his poverty might what become rich. Jesus died the brokeest that can ever be. Let me tell you what broke is. You want poverty, you have not yet touched poverty. Poverty is when you have just been nailed on the cross, stuck naked. By the way this thing that the catholics do uh, with Jesus with some underwear of a suka there was no suka That's why it was a, a bit difficult to look at him on the cross he's bleeding then you're we like hey, boss I have a guy but torose like yes Now your suit your dress your brand new thing I mean you know like your 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 cool dress your cool suit eh There are guys who have just crucified you for nothing, and they're auctioning it. They're playing Ludo. The first one to get their four pieces home is the one that is taking it. That is poverty. And yet Jesus, who is God himself, went through that so that you, through his poverty, might be rich. So do you think Jesus is serious about your wealth? He is if you're precious to him, how will he not give you these other little, little things that are even substandard to your level? Mbumane. tell you. tell you. Please help me tell your neighbor. You are precious. Just tell them. Just tell. help me tell them. Preach with me. Mugambe! The fourth thing we see is that we have a covenant for perfection. In verse 13, he says, great shall be the peace of your children. And the Hebrew word there is the word shalem, which means perfection, completeness, flawless, not, def- not deficient in anything. It's, it's, it's one that says something that is perfectly fit for intended purpose. Now remember that Isaiah is talking about the barren one. You remember the woman I was talking about in the beginning? And, and, and it's basically a prophecy to the church of Christ right now. And he's saying your children, who are you here right now will be fit for intended use. You will be perfectly fit for intended use. You are not in, in this country by mistake. You are not a Ugandan by mistake. So please stop trying to Chuck your citizenship and try to become American or German or whatever it is. You are Ugandan for a purpose. You were born in the family you were born in for a purpose. You live in Uganda in 2017 for a purpose. Look, I come from a crazy family. A a family this crazy that, that, that my aunties are suing my mom and her brother. Siblings suing another. And now I find myself in a space where I'm speaking to this auntie to understand and speaking to my mom to understand that there will be some reconciliation. But even when you come from a family that crazy, you are fit perfectly for a purpose. Fit perfectly for a purpose. Shalem. You have a covenant for perfection. And did you know what else? Beyond that, God has perfected you. He has made you perfect. I want us to read this scripture in Hebrews. Hebrews ten fourteen. it says, For by one offering, he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. He's not only just perfected things concerning you, he has also perfected you. You know how people speak at Quarantulas? Our daughter, she has no kamogo. You check her skin, it is nyedeketaring. So please do not slap her. Do you, You know what I mean? He has presented you as a perfect bride by the washing of his word. He's vibing you. Do you hear God vibing you today? Man, husbands, this is for free. Find a way of telling your wife that she's perfect. My friend, your life is going to be good in many ways. You will tell me later. Covenant for victory. Covenant for victory. Verse 14 says, In righteousness, you shall be established far from oppression. You shall not fear. Terror will not come near you. Your enemies shall fall. He says, no weapon. He says, he says I, I made the blacksmith who makes weapons with calls of fire. I made the spoiler who destroys. That's the devil. Right? I created those enemies who are trying to bring you down. And I also created the devil. God is saying, I'm the one who created both those. Then he says, No weapon formed against you shall prosper. In other words, Look, if if I've made some budoles, some budoles, and you're saying the the dolls are chasing you, I'm saying, look, look, I made these budoles. Eh? I am telling you, these budoles will do nothing to you. Who do you believe? God or the budoles? You have a victory that is permanent. Is, 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 how do I tell you? Your victory is assured, it's guaranteed. Romans 8.37, let's read this together. It says, no. Can you just say no? To the person who is doubting, who is fretting, who thinks that they're going to overcome them, could you please tell them no? In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Now, someone told me that a conqueror is someone who works hard for a victory. A general, like Museveni, goes to the bush. Five years, he fights. He's hungry. He whiz, Bullets with him, mustard seed. He survives. He jumps over a fence. What, 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 what? And then some, suddenly, January 26, 1986, he has won a victory. All this time, Janet is in Sweden eating burgers. What? And then she flies in at the swearing-in. And then she's just the first lady waving. That's more than a conqueror. She's more than the conqueror. Right? So, so, so Jesus, Isaiah 53, huh? Like how my pastor, when I was young, he goes, he suffers under the cross, he bears the sin, he becomes poor, his body is broken for for your health. What, 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 what? All those things he bears. And then you, the bride, shows up because he says that we are the bride of Christ. So we show up and guess what we are doing? More than conquerors in Christ Jesus. You don't fight for it. Your your husband, your groom Christ, God got it for you. You just enjoy it. You just be like Janet Museveni. You be here on Museveni. What? Every time he goes through after you have abused him. Guess what Janet is doing on the side. That's your job. More than a conqueror in Christ Jesus, you're just eating good things. Refer to sender. Jesus did it all for me. <laughs> Philippians 3.9 says, And be found in him, let's read this together, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God, by faith. And it completes the other scripture by saying, no weapon formed against you shall prosper, and every tongue that rises up against you in judgment, you shall condemn. Your role in the new covenant is just to condemn everything that is not of Christ. Everything that just rises is, raises its ugly head and is not of Christ, you say, I'm sorry, get lost. His word says that he made him who knew no sin to become sin for us, that we may become the righteousness of God. So since when did you become a sinner when you're in Christ Jesus? You condemn that. I, 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 and I, can I just say something? It could be for real that you actually slept with that woman who is not your wife. For real. Now, are we going to continue sin that, sinning that grace may abound? No. God forbid. That's not what we are saying. How shall we who have been set free from sin be slaves any longer to sin? That's not what I am saying. But when you've realized you're wrong, you've stepped away from the thing. And the enemy is still telling you, I saw your hand in the cash deal at office. In 1985. This is 2017. You looked at the other man's wife. Even if you did nothing, you looked. Jesus said, that's a standard of solidarity Tell them, shut up! God says, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am the head and not the tail. When I was growing up, I, I made some mistakes with my academics. Um, I.e., I didn't engage academics at all in P4 Um I would come to school in Buganda Road, break time. I would go to uh, Norman Cinema, which is Watoto downtown nowadays. Go through men's legs, watch movies the whole time. Go and play at the Nazareth School, which was Deliverance Church, uh, Nakasera at the time. I really had fun when I did the exams. I didn't know what I was doing. They promoted my friends to P5. I was demoted to P3 to reverse Netegereze from P3. Okay. My dad was so mad with me. He got me and he gave me 15 lashes of the cane and he summarized it by saying, you are so stupid. He was so mad. But that word stayed with me. I worked hard to prove I'm not stupid. I worked hard to prove that I had another name that's not the name stupid. And guess what? I, the harder I worked is the more people are proving me that I am stupid. They would disprove me in the concepts that I have. And I, I hated it. But guess what? I then discovered that Jesus says will be the head, not the tail. He said that, that Jesus, the Bible says that, we be, that Jesus became wisdom for us. <laughs> and, then, and then I got to discover that I have the mind of Christ. The voice died. Because what I was using was what the word of God is saying concerning me. Now there's so many of us who have got different names. You've been called adulterer. You've been called fornicator. You've been called thief. You've been called liar. You've been called ugly. You've been called too dark. Some have been called Too short. Others too fat. Others too thin. Some of you, you know, you've never seen this part of your elbow. I've seen it since I was a kid. I've been skinny the whole time. You know they've called you things. But I want you to know that you are the beloved of Christ. And the last time I checked, when a husband, a man marries a woman. She takes on the name of the husband. If it is Bale Samvu, she becomes Mrs. Bale Samvu. If it is Nyanzi, she becomes Mrs. Nyanzi. If it is Kasosi, she becomes Mrs. Kasosi. If it is Okuro, she becomes Mrs. Okuro. Okelo, Mrs. Okelo. Muhwezi, Mrs. Muhwezi. Jesus. now i know that that may sound bad but you know what it means you carry his name you are no longer downtrodden you are no longer cast down you are no longer that fake thing that people were laughing about you are the righteousness of god in christ jesus you are like the son of god you are the beloved of the father so i'm going to ask that you stand up right now on your feet even as we sing this song I want you to start speaking against those names that you have been called since you were a kid. When Lynette was younger, she was told that uh, What did they say? Can you imagine? A Lynette who loves people and you're telling her that she doesn't love people. So she grew up thinking she doesn't love people. She grew up fighting that. Every one of us has had the devil. But as we sing this song, friends, I'm going to ask that you start raising up your voice and saying, no, 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 I'm not that thing that I was called. (laughs) I've got a lover of my soul. I've got Jesus who loves me. He's written this love letter to me. I am his and he is mine. Thank you for listening to this teaching. We hope you've been blessed by the Worship Harvest Summon Series. For more teachings and other resources, visit www.worshipharvest.org or call 312 281